0: Someone you should know, know. a program about people you know and even more that you don't. Hosted by Stuart Sachs, veteran, husband, father, and grandfather. Now, here's your host, Stuart Sachs. Well, welcome back to another edition of Someone You Should Know. I'm really, really happy that you're here, especially today because we're going to have some fun today. And you are going to learn some, some things about my guest that y- you're, you're going to be absolutely, totally blown away with. Uh, we are brought to you today by our producer, and that is Christine Dean, who is the DFW Networking Diva. You know, a lot of times people will say to me, hey, how, how did you put together such a great show? Hey, right there. Christine Dean is the reason she's the producer of this show and she knows everything there is to know about marketing, not only your website, but your business and your business experience, reach out to her. It's a no cost consultation and she'll tell you all about how she can can make your, your business even better than you thought it was. And she's a good kid too. I love her to death. Well, my guest today has been in the music business basically her whole life. Uh, And we're going to learn a little bit more about that because I want to introduce you to Mary Dawson. Mary, welcome. Welcome. Hi. Great to have you on the show. I am absolutely amazed at, at you and your career. Uh, When I first popped up your picture and I was telling my wife, I'm going to be, be, Interviewing this, this singer songwriter and, and music cataloger and, and (laughs) And, and she, she thought, Oh, okay. That she was probably going to see somebody like crystal Gale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She saw your picture and she says, wow. You know, she, I, I would not picture, you know, somebody like Mary as accomplishing all the things that you've accomplished. So you, you've, you've, you've managed to remain under the radar all these years. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Right, right from the get go, you come from a musical background. I think the old phrase is that the, that the, the acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, you, you come from a family of music and that's kind of where the bug bit you. Is that correct?
1: That's absolutely correct. And Stuart, thank you for having me today. It's just such a pleasure. I've been listening to some of your podcasts at the gym, just to get acquainted with you. So I'm, I'm a fan already. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, yes, I do come from a musical background. Um, My father was a songwriter and a musician. And when other kids were out in the front yard, throwing a ball around with their dad, I was in at the piano writing a song with my dad. He, he would make up the chord progressions on the, on the bass part of the piano, keyboard, and then I would just make up the melodies on top. And so we wrote a lot of wonderful songs that way. And uh, and he also played the organ and the accordion and several other instruments, the guitar. So, but he was never a professional. He just loved music. And um, you're right, the bug bit, bit me long ago, and I never I never recovered. <laughs> I'm an obsessive compulsive music
0: person. That, uh, were you, or, 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 or and, yeah. or your father, uh, uh formally trained in music?
1: No, no. It, my father played everything by ear. And so I, I pretty much do the same thing. I'm, you know, I'm, I can write things down on paper, but that's not done very much anymore. And sometimes I can get a chord going uh, while I'm writing a song. Now I have to call my friend who is a theory major to say, okay, I, this is what I have in the left hand, Land. right hand. What is that? Well, I know I
0: don't writing crazy. music and, and writing songs and everything is an intricate process and I have always, I've always been curious, uh. Do you just tinker like on the piano and you come up with a melody and that you, you hang onto that melody waiting for the right words, or do you sit and like write poetry and lyrics and all, and then say, you know, I think this is, is finished, it's good enough for a song. Now I'm going to put, put the music to it.
1: Yeah, you're right. It, sometimes it occurs the melody first and sometimes the words come first and sometimes together, there's just no formula really for writing a song. Um, but you know, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg, you know, which comes first. Well, basically my philosophy is you have to have a great idea and a musical idea or a lyrical idea. Um, I've heard somebody say that, uh, lyrics are thoughts in music and, uh, the music part are emotions in music. So if you can get the thoughts and the emotions connected, because I really feel like songwriting is a communication process. So if you can get it to where the listener gets it, <laughs> then you got a song. <sighs>
0: uh, 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 we, we, uh, you know, so of, uh, about- <laughs> the guitar come a riff. And then once they get that riff, that's when they that's when they decide they're gonna put it to music and then add, add the lyrics. And
1: that can happen. I am not a singer, by the way. I only write them. I, I never, you know, qualify for the choir or anything like that. They just, Thank you very much for trying out uh seeing it around. But, you know, um, I, I love music. I work with a lot of uh, wonderful, accomplished uh, artists. And um, that's been exciting. And that's uh, just another step in the process. I wish I had been blessed. Like Jimmy Webb, my friend Jimmy Webb, the songwriter, he says, You know, I'm praying that God would make me a songwriter. I just forgot to include singer.
0: Jimmy Camp, excuse Yeah. But, you know, it, it's interesting that, that you say that you don't sing. Uh, I mean, when you are putting words to music and all, even though you may not have a a polished voice, do you, do you sit there and sing the the words to to see if it flows? Is that part of the process?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, I tell my students that, you know, I have no PhD in music theory or in poetry or anything like that, but I have a PhD in listening. And I listen to everything. And if I'm in the process of writing a song, I will put it on some kind of rough format, an MP3 or something, and then listen as if I were listening to that song for the first time. And if I don't get it from the very beginning, then I know I gotta go back and rewrite. Cause you know, great songs aren't written, they're rewritten. So yeah. I have to keep working at it.
0: Yeah. It's, <laughs> right. A, 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 an artist uh, that paints, sometimes they just keep looking at that painting and then adding another stroke. Right. And adding another stroke. And to them, it's like a work in progress that's never finished.
1: Yeah. And sometimes, like they say, great songs are never finished. They just escape.
0: Somewhere along the line,
1: you have to say, okay, this is it. <laughs> you
0: know. For oh, somebody's <laughs> Or somebody who <laughs> listens to it, hears it and says, Hey, I'd like to record that.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Now it's now it's off the off the table and it's into the recording studio. Right. You know, you, you mentioned about not having a good voice. Uh it reminds me uh of you and you you probably know this singer songwriter, Paul Williams. Oh, I I haven't written with him. Have you really? Yes. Paul Williams has one of the most annoying voices uh, when when he sings his lyrics, but he he writes the tunes. He does record some of them. He's recorded a couple of albums, but there are other people that record his stuff. And you, when you, when you say, "Oh, that was written by Paul Williams," they say, "It was." Yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I mean, he wrote he wrote some songs that the Carpenters did. Uh, Absolutely. Three Dog Night. Just an yeah. old-fashioned old love song by Three Dog Night was written by Paul Williams. And I got to
1: tell you a story about that. Okay. I told me this. He said when he first started working for A&M Records, and he, did, he really had no musical training. And so he, they put him in this writer's room and told him to come up with a song. And so he had to number the keys on the keyboard to tell one from the other because he didn't know which end was which, and that's how he wrote just an old-fashioned love song. And he he took it to the music composer and with his kind of rough ideas of the chords and stuff, and um, they said, you can't do those chords. And he said, well, I don't even know what a chord is, (laughs) but they managed to make organs and and became a huge hit. So.
0: That is—that's <laughs> good um, to um, to uh, a, a singer songwriter that's out there that wants to get into the music is you don't have to be formally trained if you no. don't have the desire to to do it go for it
1: absolutely
0: and I, and you have done you have actually taken that a step further because uh, you had had a uh, a website at least for a while, well, you could still go in and, and and check it out. It's called tweak a tune. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you, you listen to uh, uh, music and lyrics by other singer songwriters. And then you, you uh, uh, criticize it or you, you uh, pan it. And, and, and you're, you don't, you don't pull any punches. <laughs> I, I know you are extremely honest and straightforward about whether it's was well-formed, uh, or it needs, needs this or that. And, and, uh, did you say that you're not doing it now, but thinking you're restarting that?
1: Yes. I'm thinking, well, actually now I have a nonprofit group called Songsmith, which we kind of do the same thing. We have, uh, chapters that meet, uh, in Texas mostly, but we have people from uh, other parts now that zoom is in uh vogue. So, um. But we, we listen to each other's songs, and then we get feedback on those. And it, it came about through my old career, and there were some situations where I got to bring some of my early songs to a critique session. And some of those critiquers were so obnoxious and, you know, very mean, and they would critique you in front of the whole group. And I'm afraid, you, know, you don't have to be mean, but it's very nice to get some honest perspectives. You know, how does this come through to someone that hasn't heard this song before? Do they get it or do they don't, you know? And so we do that in our Songsmith chapters too. But It Tune was, you know, something I've done for years and years and years. I just, people would contact me and ask me to review their songs. And that's what I did. So we finally put it up on YouTube for a while.
0: It it, (laughs) uh, 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 it is uh, 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 marydolphin.com. And, uh, click around the, 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 different buttons because there's a button for her music, there's a button for tweak a tune. There's a, a button for song Smith and there's a lot to absorb on your website. Um, and, and you know, it, it, it just, it amazes me what you have been able to accomplish over the years with your music. And as you say, you don't record your music but there are other people that you have written for and it's not in one genre or another because you have written jazz you have written inspirational music you have written some country and western uh type tunes is there a certain do you just wake up in the morning and say uh you know i got a thought for uh for an inspirational tune today uh or i think uh, there's there's a phrase that i got that sounds like it should be recorded by a country western artist is what what is the process what goes on in the head of mary dawson (laughs)
1: people have been wondering that for a long time but i'll I'll tell you what i can tell you but you know like i i think anything that gives you an idea you know speaking of country and western i used to make the, the drive back and forth from dallas to nashville frequently and it's a long long way and so, yeah, it's t- it's a long way. And I started getting, you know, road, uh, kind of hypnotism. And I, I think I got to write a song or do something to keep my brain awake. And so I, so I thought, what can I write a song about? And I saw all these exit now signs on the side of the road and exit now for gas and exit now for food. And I thought, you know, that could be a, a relationship issue. I'm going to exit now before you. Hurt me again. So before I had the Nashville, I had written the song "Exit Now." So <laughs> you, you, billboards, T-shirts. Uh, I saw a T-shirt once that said "Angels can fly because they take themselves lightly." I think that was G.K. Chesterton's quote, and I it just that turned into a jazz piece. It just evolved. So um, I think that something can catch your mind, or you you, you get inspired by somebody else. You know that. that is doing some, a similar, uh, chord progression or rhythm or something. And it's not like you're copying it, but you just feel that kind of music for a while and, and start to write in that kind of,
0: uh, genre. With with other (laughs) singers, do you find that sometimes that that's the same (laughs) process that they go through also that their, their mind is always picking up words or phrases or, or, or things that they then turn into into their music.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's got to start somewhere, and then sometimes it comes from your life experiences. Um, you know, I I had an opportunity to speak to um, the SMU fiftieth uh, anniversary of their music and arts education program, and you know, I realized that that some of the songs that I had written. Kind of corresponded with difficult times that I had gone through or happy times that I had gone through. I didn't even realize at the time that I was writing out of my life. But when I looked back on it, I could see, oh, yeah, that's when this was happening, you know? And um, so, you know, I think you get inspired in different ways. And it's also good therapy. It's just like journaling or something. You can take out your emotions by writing them into music. And then music takes its own course. And, you know, I've, I've had psychiatrists tell me that, um, music doesn't have to pass through your mental filters. It just goes straight to the heart. And that's what we're trying to do is go straight to the heart. And today, you know, the, the problems of the past of having to go through a music industry with producers and publicists and publishers and the big offices and all of that is all gone. I mean, you could, anybody just like us, we can get online now. And, and if we attract certain groups of people, we'll know that we have a fan base. And so I have some, some really talented writers, you know, they're older. One of them in particular is brilliant, but he's older. And I, and I said, you need to get on YouTube. What are you going to do with all these great songs you're writing? And he goes, well, what am I going to call it? Grandpa's next song? <laughs> I said, perfect. <laughs> that would be a great title for yeah. It would be I mean, surprised at who follows you.
0: <laughs> well, you, you know, in addition to writing and and uh and hooking up with singer-songwriters, uh and all uh, you've written a book uh about about the business. And I think the, the name of the book is absolutely <laughs> It's, 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 it just grabs, it just grabs your, your heartstrings. It's called how to get somewhere in the music business from nowhere with nothing. And I, and you know, and I could, I could see that there's probably most singer songwriters re- remember the day where they just sat on the corner and opened up the guitar case and started yeah. playing a few tunes and waiting for people to drop, drop some coins in their, in their case. Right, Uh, And that's where an awful lot of them started and built their careers.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You just never know where it's going to lead you, you know, and you meet people that influence you and that get your ideas. And then you think, okay, well, let's try that. And so, you you know, like when I first started writing, I had no, no idea that I would ever collaborate with anybody who wrote like choral music or theater music. But the more I got into it and the more people I collaborate with, it's just another step in the journey. And I thought, oh man, I've never done this before, but you learn as you go. So you just can't be afraid to step off the ladder, you know, and just keep, keep moving and, uh, don't worry about the, the music business anymore. Cause really, you know, that was kind of the nineties. It still has this mystique. That you have to be in the right place at the right time with the right people, and you know, but that's really not true. You can get where you need to go from where you are. So uh, every place is a music city now.
0: So you don't know, be <laughs> pretty all of a sudden uh, we had American Idol, yeah, uh, and then The Voice, uh, and and all kinds of sing-off type shows and all where young people from all over, young, young and older people from all over the country would get prodded into a, you should, you should try out for these Mm -hmm. shows and it was a way for them to showcase themselves and their talent. What's your opinion of those shows? Are they well done? Are, are they, are they promising and positive for these young singer songwriters and all, or is it just the reality experience?
1: Yeah, you know, I I'm am an American Idol fan. I got hooked early on, and I love to to hear the critiques and the comments and stuff like that. But you know, what I encourage people to do is go back and look at how many of those Idol winners really succeeded in the music business. Some of them you can't remember even anymore. Uh, some of them, like Jennifer Hudson, actually she she became a, a famous star without American Idol. She was. of booted off the island and um, she she ended up training herself and getting back into music from her own perspective. So I think, you know, uh, there's some value in it, but read the fine print because you have to sign a contract with those guys. And um, if you don't realize what you're signing, um, I've had several American Idol uh, contestants that made it to Hollywood but not any further they're locked into a contract for like seven years. So they can't even accept another uh, offer uh, because they're locked into this American Idol contract, which is not going anywhere, of course, because they they were rejected. So, you know, you gotta be very, very careful um, to read the fine print and not get blown away by the, you know, the mystique of it. I just had a um, consultation last week with a, a really gifted songwriter who got a kind of a promo uh, nod from a publisher in Nashville. But when I looked up the publisher, he said, "Oh man, this is going to be so exciting. You know, I I looked up the whole um, uh, company and there was hardly anything about it anywhere online. And so just the fact that they live in Nashville doesn't make them, you know, the golden ticket to success. So um, they like to create that mystique again. So it makes you think that you're, you know, they're
0: what they've been looking for, but it doesn't always work that way. We, you, we, you know, know, what you're saying, uh, uh, the current movie that's out in the theaters now is the, uh, the, uh, the story of Elvis and not, yes. not so much the story of Elvis, but the story of Colonel Parker, uh, and, and very well played <laughs> by Tom Hanks, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but it, it shows how. Elvis was was a talent within himself but he was manipulated mm-hmm. uh uh throughout almost throughout his entire career yeah that, that the public really didn't know about but uh but it was it was unfortunate obviously people should should copy down your email address and if they got questions about where to go and how to get there and all Email Mary Dawson and say, I'd like to talk to you about this. Because- i love to talk to
1: songwriters. I do. You know, one of the things that Elvis movie did not cover was the fact that uh, many of his hit songs were written by a gentleman named Otis Blackwell, who was a Black songwriter from the Brill Building in New York. And in those days, um, you know, when there was so much segregation and all of that going on, he realized that he would never make it himself. So he sold his songs to Elvis and Elvis got all the credit. And I noticed in that movie, they didn't met- mention Otis Blackwell anytime. So I'm thinking about doing a documentary on that. Just the the part under the story that you didn't hear.
0: It, it was <laughs> interesting or more interesting even than the front story. Absolutely. That we're all familiar with. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that that's what you bring out uh, in in uh, a Songsmith, uh, and also in that tweak a tune a little bit is is to really get into the nitty gritty because of some of the some of the songs that you you pan and you and you uh, uh, you know uh, uh, talk about uh, they uh-huh. as you said earlier they're written from the heart, and so you can't tell somebody who has the feeling in their heart and puts it into words and music, uh, well, that's a good song and a good tune and all, but you got to change all the words, (laughs) uh, because that's, that what that's what what the song is all about. Uh, and, and, and do you, do you find that, you know, again, you're telling, you're telling people if you believe in what you're doing, then, then work with it, move it, move it forward. Keep it from the... that you have to be signing this multi uh, album uh record right. center, uh there's some great I know that there's <laughs> lots of very successful and and wealthy singer songwriters and everything that have just been writing for other people and right you know when, when you you assume that the that the singer was the one that wrote the song and then and exactly. it, it says written by somebody you never heard of. Heard
1: of, exactly. I know, you know, when you hear the rose with everybody thinks that's Bette Midler. No, it was Amanda McBroom, <laughs> yep. you know, who is Amanda McBroom? Well, and one of the things I love to do is find out who actually wrote the song and see what their bio is. It's, it's very fascinating and very inspirational. So, I mean, one of the, the most just Davis- uh, terrible thing.
0: Oh, like, my she favorite. Wrote, she wrote, you know, rock songs. She wrote rhythm, blues songs. She, she she wrote a variety of things that you would, you would hear the song. And they'd say, "Carol King wrote that. Huh? Oh, Carol <laughs> King <wrote that? laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, she just
1: got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the other night. So it yeah, was.
0: Yeah. Uh, and what
1: took so long? Yeah, well, what took so long? He was right. She's a <laughs> genius. And, you know, one of the things I noticed, Stuart, you know, I'd like to just encourage songwriters, and you were talking about it earlier, you don't have to be a, you know, music theory genius to write a song. In fact, most of the great songwriters I know, you know, some of them don't even read music at all, and um, they just play well. But, you know, if you keep it simple, don't try to get ahead of your skis, because some of the greatest songs ever written are the most simple in terms of construction. And so what, one of the things I try to do is that, you know, there's certain kind of, um, below the radar signals that a listener is listening for. If you don't, like they say, if you don't get quickly to the chorus, chances are the song will bore us, you have to get to a hook that people go, oh yeah, this is the title. You know, if I'm going to call in or if I'm going to look for it on YouTube, what's the title of the song? If the title is you know somewhere near the end of the second verse, nobody's going to know the title. So keep it simple. Just just listen to great songs, and most of them um, are are very very simple and repetitious. That, that's wh- what teaches the song to the listener in a period of three minutes. So, 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 so
0: the song, song title come first, or the song come first.
1: Well, the song title needs to be recognizable. And a lot of times people make that mistake. They, they give it a title that isn't even in the song. And then even if somebody likes it, they can't find it. So um, a good hook is like um, a hook and implement in your garden shed. You know, you've got to catch somebody. You've got to hold them. You've got to pull them along to the end. And so that hook is what does that in the song. It's
0: really important. It's repeated and and so you 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 grab it and then you know that when it comes around again, now you've planted the seed as to remembering that song because of that title. Right.
1: And that's what you want to do. You know, I mean, I write songs for my own inspiration. Just sit down at the end of the day and just, you know, kind of unload, but that's not gonna be a great song. If it doesn't connect, if it doesn't connect with anybody else chances are you're probably not going to be writing a hit. Because the ones that stand out in your mind and in other people's minds are those that really, oh man, yeah, I know what he's talking about. That's how I feel, you know? So that's what you to aim for. And there are certain subliminal clues that the listener expects to hear the hook repeated. And if they don't hear, they don't even know that they're looking for it. But their brain has been conditioned by years and years of listening to songs to want to hear what this song is all about. And, um, so yeah, you know, there's just these little tweaks that you can do to a song if they get too wordy or too long, or, you know, it doesn't mean the song is not good. It just needs to have some of those little identity figures put into the song so people can get it when they hear it.
0: Other, Other than I heard earlier that Rob down here. Uh, uh yeah. you have other family members that are, are in the, the music business, any of your kids?
1: No, none of my kids, but now I have nine grandkids. And um, I'm proud to say that uh, I just spent a week with um, uh, my eldest son in Maryland, and his two boys are very prolific songwriters and, and musicians. And the 16-year-old just came back from five weeks at Berklee College of Music in Boston where he did an intern program this summer. So, uh, he's learning production and all of that. And then my littlest granddaughter, she is a keyboard player and her mother asked her, what would you like, what would be your favorite thing in the world to do? And she said, I want a piano lesson by Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> I have another <laughs> favorite for you, out. She said, Wait, "That's better than Disney World? She's better
0: than Disney World. <laughs> Well, just like you said, you would rather be sitting at a piano than than out the yard throwing throwing a baseball. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, uh, absolutely. That was yeah, and and I mean I, we have a little bit okay. in common because uh, I I started listening and following and 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 playing music as a young kid because my dad was a band leader uh, back in the forties. Uh, he used to uh, entertain the troops that were coming in back and forth from the European theater during World War II. And, wow. Uh, he had a dance band in high school, and when the war hit, the, the entire orchestra from his high school, they all went and they, they uh, enlisted <laughs> at the same time because they said, listen, we'd like to enlist, but we'd like to stay together as a musical unit. And they were lucky enough to, to get into the special services and do that. Uh, and so my sister, my sister and I both kind of followed music. Um, and to this day, I don't play music as much, but there is absolutely, well, maybe hip hop and, uh, and rap. I, I don't really get that much into, but I'll, I'll embrace almost any form of music. Yeah. And having said that, do you have, you know, uh, uh, any favorite. Form of music that you write for because you do write ballads and you you uh, do write jazz and you do write um, you know inspirational and 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 country music. Is there a favorite that you have, or it's just whatever the whatever the inspiration kicks?
1: I yeah, I have to say I love it all. I guess if I had to pick one, I say I just love uh, gospel R and B. It's so infectious. And, um, I saw a video, uh, earlier this year that there was a whole, uh, Woodstock, only the black version, occurring at the same time as Woodstock that nobody ever documented until recently. And boy, to see Stevie Wonder at 20 playing the drums and, you know, that infectious gospel pop, in fact, I think some of the gospel songs you know, went straight to the top of the hit parade because everybody loves them. They're just they're very infectious. So I think that's one of my favorites anyway. But I love
0: it all. Yeah, check that out. I remember that, that also. Uh, and some of the groups, uh, Sly and the Family Stone, yeah, uh, were just unbelievable in that in that uh, performance uh, mode. And and I mean, we all you know, no matter what background you came from, Aretha Franklin hit Henry Ford because she could sing a, a gospel yep. tune and then she could turn around and do a, a pop tune. Uh, but you didn't, you didn't watch her sing a song. You felt her in your, in your, your soul, uh, listening to it and just absorbing it. It like be, you became a sponge listening, yeah. listening to her. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah, there's another great movie out right now on the life of Mahalia Jackson. It's called Remember Me. And she was another one that, I mean, she came of age during the height of segregation and prejudice. Uh, There's one scene where her name was on the bill in a theater and she had to enter through the colored door. They couldn't go through the front door. But but her, her voice and her songs captured the nation's. I mean, she was world famous. Everywhere she went, everybody knew her and loved her songs. Whether they liked gospel music or not, they did after they heard her sing.
0: <laughs> you mentioned you, uh, uh, that your your uh, uh, programs are mostly local in the state of Texas, but they, you have a kind of an outreach. If people around the country that are watching and listening to this show say, you know, I, I think I'd like to, to start something like Smith or something in my neck of the woods, you uh, know, they, can they reach out to you to get information Absolutely, do it?
1: Yes. And my email is real simple. It's just mary at marydawson.com.
0: And, and I think it's a great opportunity for local singer songwriters and all, I know that you and I have some mutual friends uh, here in the area. Uh, I I have been following Ryan Michael Galloway. Oh yes, yeah. for ever since we moved to Texas, uh, and also Julie Bonk. Oh, uh, she's one of my dearest friends. She she is is she's one of those people that when you listen to her, you just she's just angelic in the way she mm-hmm. she sings and presents herself, and I'm I'm very glad that she is is on the road to recovery now too because she is, was sick for a while and she's doing very very well.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's a dear. I love her and she's so talented. Yeah. yeah. So talented.
0: So your your book uh did the 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 inspiration for writing the book uh how to get somewhere in music. Uh, from nowhere with nothing, <laughs> was, was that something that you always wanted to, to, to write or you knew that you were going to, to someday write it because writing, writing a book and writing music are kind of, you know, the thought process might be there, but it's a completely different, different. set of, uh, of, uh, of rules. Yeah,
1: well, the book came about because, I, like I said, I got contacted by so many songwriters that asked me the same questions over and over again. And I thought, okay, I I don't even think I had an outline for that book. It was just my life experience and people that had asked these questions. And I thought, okay, this is where everybody starts. And not everybody can move to Hollywood or Nashville. So what do you do? You know, and um, so I wanted to give them some practical tips on how to present themselves And, you know, uh, where to take the next step, because some people get such contaminated ideas of what it takes. I I had one friend who was um, a songwriter, I think from Illinois, and she just did coffee shops and everything like that, you know, every weekend. And um, she finally hired this marketing team to follow where she was getting the most hits. She had a YouTube channel. And... They found out that her most hits were from Indonesia. And so they flew her to Indonesia and 5,000 people were waiting for her to (laughs) miss So, but what she did, which was really cool is that when she was writing a song on YouTube, she would talk to her audience and she'd say, Hey, I got this idea for a song. What do you think about this? And she would interact with her listeners. And so by the time she finished the song, she already had a fan base. So there's just so many ways that you can, you know, go in there and capture a, a listener. And when we get together as songwriters and share what we, what we've uh, found successful, then you know we can all benefit from it. So in Songsmith, we say, you know, we share our songs. We don't try to, um, you know, rip each other off in terms of copyright percentages or anything like that. We we figure a win for one of us is a win for all of us. So if we contribute in any way to help somebody else then that's, you know, a win. So I would love for anybody who is listening to um, check it out because we have a great time and we're expanding all the time, especially since Zoom. You know, now we can Zoom in from anywhere we are. You know, we we do still have some in-person meetings, but most of them are on Zoom now.
0: That, that a lot of them are open to sharing information with each other and also sharing their music because somebody may may uh, be prolific in, in, in one form of writing music, but they hear somebody else's tune and they say, "I would really like to, you know, either either record your tune or at least add it to my playlist because I'm 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 taken by it." I mean, that's a form of flattery to a singer songwriter.
1: It truly is. It really is. You know, if somebody likes your song, I heard Elton John say, they asked him one time, you know, what if somebody records one of your songs and it isn't that good? The cover isn't that good. He said, listen, anytime anybody wants to cover one of your songs, it is an honor to the songwriter. And I think that's exactly the way everybody feels. And sometimes it's a surprise to, to see who records them and how they interpret it. You know, they may just add their own little, you know, artistic uh, taste to it. And it, it makes it great, you know?
0: Yeah. I, that, and uh, to make a song popular, sometimes it is rewritten. Very often a singer songwriter does it just with piano or guitar. Uh, right. and somebody else comes along and puts a full chorus and a, and a full orchestra behind it to to record it. Uh-huh. You're right,
1: exactly. And you think about, you know, the greatest song of the 20th century was Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And, you know, you think of how many versions you've heard of that song. You've heard the Ju- Judy Garland version, then you got the Ray Charles version, and then you got the Israel Kawanakoma or whatever his name was, you know, in the... They okay. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but you still know it somewhere over the rainbow because the melody and the lyrics are the same. So that's why I say the two non-negotiables of a copyright are the lyrics and the music. The arrangement and the rhythm, that's negotiable. They can be arranged in any number of ways. So, and it's surprising to hear how the you know, it sounds in various genres
0: you uh, uh, weren't you just recently nominated for a Grammy?
1: Well, I was on a Grammy nominated recording I, it wasn't me myself, but that was a surprise because um the song that was nominated um I had written twenty five years ago and really? <laughs> I, I, I was I was thinking how did this artist find it you know And so I'm trying to call the publisher. I didn't get any kind of response. And um, so uh, this was really weird. I was visiting my son and I was getting ready to plug my phone in for the night. And I saw I missed a call. And I thought, it's probably just spam, but I'll try to return the call. And so I did. And this lady answers the phone. She goes, hey, this is Tiffany. And I'm going, Tiffany, who do I know named Tiffany? Yeah. I finally started asking her, I said, Tiffany, what's your last name? She said, Coburn. I said, I think you recorded one of my songs. She was trying to call her manager and she got beat by mistake. So <laughs> how that happened, I have no idea. She, So I said, can I ask you a question? You know, I've just been fascinated to find out that you recorded my song from 25 25- <laughs> I said, how did you find it? She said, I heard it 25 years ago and I've wanted to record it. <laughs> so that was quite a surprise um, and a really mysterious connection on that one. Because she said, I was, I was trying to call my manager, or I thought my manager was tra- calling me.
0: <laughs> so it <laughs> should be a <laughs> if, if, if you've got that you wrote 25 years ago and you put him in a drawer. Don't get rid of them. Exactly. You, you exactly. never know where they're going to re- resurface, and uh, and somebody's going to come along and like that that young girl. All she wants to do is 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 play piano like Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> and you never can tell when when all of a sudden there's going to be a knock on the door, and Paul says, "Yes, I'm here to play piano with you."
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, actually, he's even got some piano lessons on YouTube. Paul McCarty does for beginner songwriters. So a lot of these guys want to give back to the next generation. And there's nobody better than Paul McCarty, in my opinion. He's just, and he's not a trained musician either, but he was someone who listened to all kinds of music. And uh, if you read his stories behind the songs, you'll find out that he was listening to like six hours of classical music before he wrote Eleanor Rigby or something like that. So, you know, all of that stuff goes in and gets recycled in your, your brain and comes out in a song.
0: And that's going <laughs> to express <my mind. laughs> don't, don't limit your listening to one genre of no. music because the, the more you expand your repertoire of music that you listen to and enjoy, the more it may influence your, your talent.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't say that better myself and I'm glad you said it. Yeah. I, and just don't have every button on your radio or whatever set to a different channel. Um, just don't don't let yourself get stuck because pretty soon if you get stuck in one everything is going to start sounding the same.
0: folks yeah. <laughs> marydawson dot com and email mary at marydawson dot com. Really, it's very, very simple, and uh believe me if you go into that website. You'll, you'll sit there just wanting to spend hours looking and, and not only looking, but listening too because there's a lot to listen to and, and see what, what Mary has done. I applaud you for a a, a tremendous career that you've had, Mary, um, you know. Growing up as a as a girl in Roscoe, Illinois, <laughs> and I actually know where Roscoe, Illinois, is.
1: One of the few. <laughs> you, you, you,
0: you've come a long way, and and what you have done for the music industry and for for singer songwriters and and artists and everything is is incredible. Right. Um, well, thank you, thank you. Aaron, I, hope to queen uh, your name in the in the uh, Music Hall of Fame.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it is all fun, and if you're not having fun, stop. Don't <laughs> don't keep doing something that you don't enjoy. And that's why I love doing it. Whatever I can, I just love to be involved in music. And usually, before I go to bed at night, I just scroll through YouTube and look at music stuff. So there's no better place to get than to get on YouTube today, if you're a songwriter.
0: Yep. Well, thank you you. for spending the the time with me. I always end my show with a quote uh, and all, and it is be yourself because everyone else is already taken. (laughs) I love it. So thank you again. That'll do it for another edition of someone you should know. Our, our, Very, very biggest thanks to Mary Dawson, singer, songwriter, and lovely, lovely lady. (laughs) Take care (laughs) and be well. We'll see you again next week, Uh, folks.
1: Okay. Thanks, Stuart. Blessings.
0: Someone you should know.